Operation Red Pill. You know us, just two guys going beyond conspiracy theories, getting right into the heart of the conspiracy itself. I'm Jason Spears with my co-host, Christopher Dean. Gather round. Join us as we go behind enemy lines to reveal the truth about another aspect of this occult matrix as we discuss in this week's Intel Briefing, Midnight Roundtable with Christian Conspiracy Coalition. We had an absolutely fabulous time as guests on your Missing the Points podcast with Drew Missing. We're going to play that episode for you in its entirety coming up right here on Operation Red Pill. Gentlemen, everyone from across the podverse, welcome back to another episode of Operation Red Pill, where we take you beyond conspiracy theories and get right into the heart of the conspiracy itself. Now, we have a coalition's worth of stuff to get into today, including does the Bible have any relevance in the modern world today? We're going to also talk about lies and we're also going to talk about lies aside How should we consider the shape and scope of the universe? And finally, we're going to cover the root of gingers. That's right. I know ginger is actually a root, but we're not going to talk about the plant root. We're going to talk about the root of the people that identify as gingers and why are they being erased from pop culture? Some real provocative stuff coming up right there. But before we get into all of that. Got to take care of first things first, and that means introducing my co-host, the one and only, the Ginger Five. That's right. He self-identifies as a ginger because he actually is a ginger. The one and only, Mr. Christopher Dean. How's it going, bro? Oh, man, I'm doing pretty good, baby. How about yourself? I'm pumped. I'm ready for this episode. I'm a little bit tired because uh, we're recording at a different time, but uh, my excitement is uh, at 100%. 100%. Hundred percent. Well, I, I got to tell you, man, I am well rested for this episode. I got all the sleeps <laughs> I could possibly need. Well, that's good. I was planning on getting up early. I was going to get stuff situated, get the studio set up. You know, I was going to go ahead and get calm. You know, you got to get yourself. There's a little, you know, ritual you have to go through, if you will, to prepare to record. And since we're okay. recording at midnight, I you had to shift a few things, but I figured, okay, I'll get it done. Man, the way things played out for me, had you not called me and woke me up, I still would be asleep. <laughs> I was so jealous when you were like, I just woke up because I've been up for like 18 hours straight. Oh, man. Working, getting stuff done to make it here. And I'm in the studio and I'm like, hey, where are you? You're like, I just woke up. I was like, oh, man, that sounds so nice. <laughs> Totally not the reaction I thought you were going to have. I thought you were going to be angry. You're like, man, this dude, he asked me to be here at at a certain time. I'm here. I make all the efforts to arrange my stuff. And he can't even get out of bed. And I was like, it was so not like that. I got off work early. (laughs) I came home. I said, I'm going to sleep. I took me some medication to make sure I go to sleep. And then I ended up laying in bed for like four hours, tossing and turning. Finally got up. Let me work on some ORP stuff. I did that, ate, watched a little bit of, of a movie or something, and then I started to get a little sleepy. I said, all right, about this point, it's about 4, 4.30 in the afternoon. So let me sleep for for just maybe four or five hours. Then I'll get up. I'll be good. Next thing I know, you're calling me. <laughs> 
And it felt like we had about 30 minutes before it was time to go live. And I'm like, this is not going to work. Studio's not set up. I'm not ready. I don't even know what we're doing today. This is a problem. <laughs> yeah, you barely had time to get dressed before before the Zoom. I'm trying to tell you. I had to remember everything. I felt like, you know, you see those <laughs> movies where guys get ready to go to work and the wife is like, pants, you need pants. I was like, do I have pants? Pants are important. Because in a Zoom pants. environment... Are right, because in a Zoom environment, you know, people have been caught without pants because everything's uh-huh. just like face up. And I was like, that will not be me. I feel like there's something very important that I am missing here. <laughs> Need to make sure I right. have everything. So I had to do the old Austin Power, Spectacles, Testicles, Wallet, and Watch. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we got them all. We're good. We're good. Uh, but no, man, this uh, this, this was a, a really good episode. Yes. Uh, this was really fun to record obviously we're, we're going to play a, a pre-recorded episode uh that we had with them but totally uh great time first time getting to meet the people on the coalition you know we had drew missing from you're missing the point podcast which we've we've met him before we've had him on the show and, and been on his show uh but we had josh monday from christian conspiracy podcast uh really great to meet him julia uh from the cosmic peach podcast which we've we've uh what do they call that collaborated together before and then catless jones uh, from the White Rabbit podcast, who we've actually scheduled to to do an episode on later in the month. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to have everybody together. And I think Drew, this was Drew's idea, right? Yeah, Drew contacted everybody and 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 brought us in. And the idea was to have a coalition, like a, a bunch of people who had been impactful on his walk and his journey to discuss some things that were unique to the Christian experience. Is that right? Yep. Which I believe was... We we did just that, man. We got into a lot of interesting stuff. Some some fringe things were discussed. <laughs> yeah, but it was really a, oh, good, it was a time. good time. Yeah, that's what I was gonna yeah. say, man. It, it was really cool to connect uh, with these people and to discuss the points at hand. And even though it was in the middle of the night, I was I was a little bit sad that it when it was done. When Drew's like, all right, we've got to wrap up. You know, we can do this again. I was like, oh, man, I'm, I was having a good time. Right, right. I, I definitely was, too. So I think, man, uh, with all of that said, let's uh, let's go ahead and welcome the coalition onto the show and, and play that for our, for our audience. What do you say? Let's do it, bro. Nice. Let's get it. Welcome to a very special roundtable event, what I hope will become the first of many to come, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Christian Conspiracy Coalition, a place where the best minds in the conspiracy realm gather together to share and discuss their faith, Christianity, and the spiritual war thrust upon humanity. Let us welcome tonight's panel, Josh from Josh Monday Christian and Conspiracy Podcast. Not What's last, up, brother? Thank you for having me. Go ahead. No Sorry. worries. And not last, but not least, two of my favorite blokes in the world, the Operation Red Pill Gents, Jason and Christopher, welcome. Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks, man. No problem at all. We do have a couple other guests who are hoping to jump on. So if they do jump in, you know, I don't think we'll really have to introduce them. They are big names. We are hoping that Catalyst Jones from the White Rabbit podcast and Julia from the Cosmic Peach will jump on very soon. But here we are, fellas. Let's let's get started. What's all this going to be about? We uh, We had a bit of a chat going where, you know, I've been on a couple of your shows and vice versa. And you guys are some of the, the biggest names out there, I think, at the moment that are not only conspiracy theory podcasters, people with spitting truth, dropping hammers, but you're Christians as well. You're putting things through the Christian perspective and you're not afraid to discuss that. I think at the moment there's really a, 
there's a bit of a divide where people are afraid to discuss their faith or their ideologies in this sphere. So, you know, let's break it into the mainstream. Let's get this going. Yeah. I, I think that people are, some people are afraid to, to, to share their faith, you know, but the thing is we got to shout it off the rooftops. You know what I mean? We got to make sure. And, and especially in this conspiracy uh, realm that we're in, we have people that are getting deceived. What happens is there's people like uh, Jordan Maxwell or Santos Panachi and, and their bait is these conspiracies and, and they're really good at breaking them down. But what happens is they take their, these people in and their bait is a conspiracy. And as soon as they get you, then they show you that, well, the Bible's not real either, and they try to mess up your mind, you know, try tell you that the the sun, the S-U-N is the S-O-N, and all this stuff. So I think it's very important, vastly important to have people like us in the industry um, using the, the, the conspiracy as bait. But when we bring you in, we have an answer, you know what I mean? Because there's rabbit holes you can travel down all day long, but you never find the answer unless you find it in the Bible, you know? So I believe it's important for us to have uh, the Bible as our our foundation. And then when we go into conspiracies, we're in a lot better position because we're not going to be we're not going to be deceived because we know the answer, you know, is Jesus Christ. We know that God, uh, the God of the Bible is the one true creator. And when you have that and you go into this conspiracy world, now you're just exposing evil, but you have an answer. You know, you know, it's God versus the devil and everything we do. A lot of people that I'm listening to that have that do conspiracy shows and no offense to them because they do amazing job and amazing research. And I and my brothers that are doing this stuff, it's awesome. But they don't ever have an answer. All they have is just a conspiracy. They bring you down the rabbit hole as far as it'll go and then it stops. But if you go with one of us, we're going to take you down that rabbit hole and we're going to show you that the, the answer is in the Bible. It's sitting on your nightstand. The answer is Jesus Christ and it is the Bible. And and you're going to find out that it, all these conspiracies, like I said, it's God versus the devil, right? And, and it's, and it really is, it's important to have people that are like us to, to be here. And all we are is just a vessel. It's all glory to God, though. You know, we're not trying to say, oh, we're something special or anything, you know? Right. And it's really interesting. I've noticed that a lot of places that people will actually use the Bible and at, at, as kind of a, a mock answer. Because there's a, it's been really bizarre. Because like you're saying, a lot of people don't have answers. But then when they're backed up against the wall, a lot of people will go, "Oh, well, Christianity is the only thing that makes sense," or you know, the the it's the the biblical worldview that's actually going to push back against the agendas that we see today, all while questioning the authenticity of Scripture. So they're kind of using it to to give themselves um, a, a ledge and maybe um, vocalize their. Uh, moral stance from there, but trying to extract Christ from the Bible, and it's it's yeah. a really bizarre uh, position that they're they're trying to move in. But yeah, you got to you have to take the whole package. You can't just pick and choose what things you want because it feels good. Yeah, you know, I saw this guy actually that was um he he recently was just talking directly. He was doing this this type of questioning. You know, you see people out in public and you ask them this random question, and the guy was saying, you know, what what do we what would have to do to get a one night stand? And he was just inter- interviewing people. And the dude who walked by that he just threw, threw the question to, he was like, you don't need a one-night stand. You need Jesus. And he yeah. just kept walking. And I was like, ooh. Yeah, I don't think I would have done that like that. Yeah, drop the mic, bro. Yeah, I think I would have <laughs> yeah. answered a little bit different. And so the question internally I was wrestling with was why? Why, why would you maybe not have answered that directly? And it's so fascinating the, the pressure that culture is under to 
I would say, uh, to compromise itself, to fall under the pressure of of the lie that's constantly out there. And one of those lies is the idea that the Bible is old and outdated. It's an outmoded, unnecessary, antiquated thing that only weak-minded people need. And when you start getting hit with that idea ad nauseum from every other place, it's easy to just become subjected to that and to, you know, really ingest that, that belief system. What's crazy is to see how often, if the Bible really is an outmoded belief system, how often it's under attack. Like most people aren't going about talking about the Pinto is a great car. And this is why you need to really own one. We all know that the Pinto doesn't need to be owned. (laughs) There's no reason to attack the Pinto anymore. We got better things. But because people are (laughs) constantly attacking scripture and using scripture and using biblical doctrine, inverting it to try to get people's attention away, starts to open up the eye, I think, to a sensitive person to go, wait a minute, there might be something more to this. There might be something more to, to scripture. Why is it constantly under attack? If it really isn't effective, then there's no reason for so much attention to be put on it. But there's like a spot, like a focused effort on Christianity and scripture to try to eradicate that out of our culture. And I think it's because it actually is way more important than we've been led to believe. Like I know it was I think it was uh, Churchill who said that the truth is often surrounded by a bodyguard of lies. And I was thinking the other day, like, what's the real value of a lie? And the value of a lie, as I see it, is it allows you to manipulate outcomes. You can control a person's behavior based on what they believe to be true. And it's almost like if they knew the truth, they would behave differently. So I don't want them to behave this way. So I don't tell them the truth. And I guess why Jesus talked about the truth will really set you free. And our culture is surrounded by lies. Hence, we're constantly, and not just American culture, I mean, global culture, we are imprisoned by the lies that we believe and scripture is the only thing that comes out swinging with truth that's why it's constantly under attack that's why it's constantly being made to look like the thing that you can't trust and it's shocking many times to find out yo they was talking about this way back when like way back when and it still applies today you know when jesus is going around and he's taking over territories he's actually doing spiritual warfare like literally going to the gods of these various places you're like whoa 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 what do you mean the gods of these various places i didn't think this stuff actually existed i think it was chuck missler talked yeah. about like in egypt the 10 plagues that the egyptians hit or that the uh, uh the egyptians had to suffer was actually god dealing with the various gods over egypt i'm like there's gods yeah. over places that's wild oh man and, and, and you know, what do you think? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What do, I sorry. think what those are too, man, are, 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 those are fallen angels. I believe, you know, I think right. each God is like a fallen angel. And I, and what I, what I think happens is I think when Satan, when the, when these angels and, and Satan fell, I believe that that's what he tempted them with. He said, Hey, you guys could be just like Isaiah 14, where he's talking about, I want to be like God. I want to be like the most high. I believe he told these fallen angels, Hey, you could be Zeus. I could be, you know, I could be, you know, this different God. I could be this God. And I, that's what I believe those are, are just fallen angels, you know, and the idols are actually demons, you know, so it's, it's really interesting, man, what you're talking about. And, and it's true. And, and he's, and he, he does take out the little G's cause, cause God is the God of gods. It says the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but go ahead, Drew. I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean, to interrupt. Okay. you run on some gold there, mate, but I think it's important that we need to point out, you know, this episode for possibly my listeners, but I don't know about you guys, not all of our listeners are Christians. 
They yeah, listen to us for either. our personalities, our they like the content <laughs> we create. It could be just the conspiracy side of things. Christianity isn't everyone's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And like you're alluding to, Jason, I think that's all been done on purpose. And unfortunately, what you would consider air quotes organized religion has put a, a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth for what Christianity is. And that's why they question the Bible. That's why they pull it apart and nitpick it. It's because all these controlling elites, the parasite class, whatever you want to call them, they've done a really good job of demonizing Christianity so much to the point that you can see there is a concerted effort in culture and the world globally to use Christianity as the whipping boy of religion. And it's ironic because they're developing their own world religion around it, opposing what the scriptures of the Bible would be trying to manifest into this world of a Gaia and we're one with nature, what you used to consider as paganism. And you can see that attack on Christianity. So you're absolutely right, Jason. Yeah, yeah that, that's totally been, right. That's been one of the things that's really blown my mind because, you know, it's easy for people to say you're Christian because you grew up in a Christian home. Like my dad's a, 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 a that's pastor. Right. <laughs> and so I did actually, I fit that mold. I'm the person that grew up in a church from the time I was a kid and, you know, up until now. And it would be easy just to say, hey, I'm only a Christian because that's where I was raised. There's two problems with that. One, it doesn't apply to the non-Christian. Like, they don't take that same logic and say, well, you're only a non-Christian because you were raised that way. So maybe you should put that down and consider Christianity. Right? It's only a, it's a one-way street as an attack uh, against most Christians. But uh, there's some validity to the implication behind it, which is you, I'm not sure you know why you believe what you believe, right? Is there real merit to your belief system? And I think that that's one of the real underlining issues that has to be addressed, that there really is significant intellectual satisfying reasons to actually change and put a person's faith in Jesus Christ. And part of that approach takes into account the fact that there are so many attacks being uh, intentionally orchestrated against Christianity. You know, we come in the United States, we come from a culture that is science that really pushes evolutionary thinking and scientific naturalism. You know, it's really this idea that if it's, if I can't see it, taste it, touch it, you know, hear it, if it's not coming through my five senses, then it doesn't exist. And so this notion of gods, this whole spiritual, you know, what have you, I don't know. That's all hokum. I don't know if we can really trust all of that. Not to mention, I might have some emotional baggage from personal experiences with people that claim to believe in all of that. And I get why that might put people off. The thing that that really strikes me as undeniable evidence, since people like to see that, is living in a country that literally in our own Library of Congress on record, it says that our country was dedicated to all pagan gods. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You got hit the brakes on that. How are we dedicating our country (laughs) to stuff that supposedly doesn't exist? Like that's a lot of effort being put into the fabric of our, our culture and the fabric of our country to dedicate it to all sorts of entities that quote unquote don't exist, but they're on our buildings. Their fingerprint is in our national city. You know what I mean? We, we yeah. have an obelisk. We have a phallus. 
Yeah, we, we a got giant, yeah, a giant phallus, bro. That's like, right. what is it? 600, like 6,666 why there is there go. a and painting on the underside of it in the rotundra called the apotheosis of George Washington that has him rising in a godhood yeah. and surrounded by all these pagan gods like 22, that we pay 22 money stars. for? Right. <laughs> I think it's got 72 binding pentagrams inside of it. Like, yeah. who went through yeah. all that effort to do all of that? Why did the United States Congress actually ratify in the Treaty of uh, Tripoli? They said in no terms, in no way is our government, the United States government, founded on the Christian religion. Why go through all that effort if it isn't real? Those are the important questions, Jason. And that's the thing that I think a lot of just standalone conspiracy theorists, those who may not identify as Christians, that's the important thing. If you're going to put it in the lens of team politics, would label us as the good team? And there's a bad team. Well, it seems like the elites of the world, they certainly believe in the bad team and they're doing everything they can to follow the tenets of the bad team. So if it's a conspiracy theorist, you have to question if the if the elites of the world and the parasite class believe in the other end of it or the other spectrum, does yeah. it not lend to the possibility that the good man upstairs exists? Right. Does if that not run through people's up, minds? Right. If they're all suited up and in uniform, who are they playing against? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, it. and it's that's what it is. A lot of people I see they post like, oh, uh, you know, satanism luciferian and hollywood and all this stuff and they like demons all that they believe in all that stuff but they don't believe in god of the bible it's like i i don't get it you know it's crazy but i mean that's that's why we're here i mean that's why we got to get we got to step it up a notch you know what i mean and make sure that we're showing people what's up because obviously uh you know we got to do our jobs because you know we're in this position for a reason is god is using us as a vessel you know, we're, we're learning the conspiracies. Jason, I could already tell that, you, you know, you know, it's cracking. So with everything you just went through, you know, it's the same thing I would come out with, you know, but we got to make sure that, you know, we have this audience, you know, and everybody that's listening that might not be Christian yet. And I, I know I have people that aren't Christian yet. I know I have Jehovah's Witness listening. I even have Mormons listening, you know, to my show, even though it's a Christian conspiracy show, you know, and uh, we got to make sure that we, you know, we, we lead these, you know, the sheep that are that are we got to make sure that we're shepherds, you know. And uh, lead these, uh, lead the people that that are listening, you know, and make sure that we're we're showing them the right scripture, not showing them any new age stuff. I, I see a lot of new age stuff happening, and it's it's tough, man. A lot of people are getting sucked into the new age instead of believing in the Bible. It's 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 horrible. Do you guys see that a lot too, Jason and, and Chris? Yeah, we did a, a new age episode not too long ago, and yeah, it's crazy to see that. The, the tenets of the new age. Now, it's not very many people that I've run into that have said, oh, yeah, I believe in new ageism or, you know, I'm a new ageist or whatever. But throughout all different types of um, atheism and even Christianity, there's these tenets of new age thinking that just kind of yeah. sneaks in and, and dilutes the waters and, and changes the way that we think of things. I mean, uh, progressive Christianity mm-hmm absorbs a lot of new age ideals and, and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a problem. Charismatic church as well. You know, the charismatic church as well. You could see, like, if you listen to the sermons, you're seeing some new age stuff being introduced to, to, to the, to the audience. And, and it's, 
to me, I think, like you said, is diluting the water, you know, diluting the wine, you know, for sure. I think that's that, vision that, that, boards that, and it points out that the importance of, I think it's, it's, you really need to be part of a community with your faith, no matter what denomination you're in, but it points to the importance of captured organizations. Like you look at the Anglican church at the moment, they're discussing about <laughs> pinpointing God as being gender neutral or God can be referred to him or her or Z or Zer. So you've yeah. got all these political social Marxist ideas that are influencing the house of God, these physical entities that are trying to portray themselves as good Christians. And that's tainting the water of everything that's happening within religion. So you're getting these new age ideas filtering in and that's what they want. These broader people who are behind the scenes uh, trying to manipulate the way that they want Christians to think they're really just wiping the slate clean and putting in a a diet version of Christianity, which inevitably is going to become that new age religion. Yes. And it's, and the devil, the devil give you 85% truth, 15% lie, 90% truth, 10% lie. As long as there's a lion there, man, he's happy, you know, and you see it even when you break down certain uh, sects of of Christianity, you'll see that there's uh, even Jehovah's witness. You see that they're doing some things right, but then that, then, you know, then they think Jesus is Michael, the archangel and, you know, that they're all about works instead of, instead of, you know, being saved by, you know, through grace, you know, by grace through faith, you know, so you're going to see it, man. So you got to be, be, be careful. Like we're not, everybody that's listening, we're not trying to tell you guys to, to go run to a church either. We're trying to say, make sure that you, you just, you discern because there's 45,000 different denominations. So you got to make sure that you're, you know, whatever your pastor's saying to you, you got to make sure you take that information. You need to go home. You need to study that and make sure that he's giving you the right information because never let it like your salvation is between you and God. It's not between you and your pastor and God. It's not between you, your wife and, and God It's between you and God. So make sure that when you're receiving this information, even from us or from your pastor or from, from anybody on the, the airwaves, you make sure you go and study those verses yourself and see what the Holy spirit wants to teach you, you know? So just like Jason, he said his, his dad is a pastor. Um, I'm sure you see it a lot, man. Like I've I've seen a lot in church where people are so they're they're so stuck on a certain mindset and they never grow. They they just drink the milk, you know, and they yeah. sit and drink the milk, drink the milk, drink the milk, and that's all they get served. They never find out the meat of the Bible, you know. And what happens is they become weak Christians. I'm not saying that they're the devil's probably not even attacking them because they know they're just drinking the milk and they're cool. So they just, they just, they just breeze through. But once you start finding out the meat of the Bible and you start finding out, you know, stuff that's, uh, and then, and then also find out what your pastor, what denomination he's teaching from. Cause sometimes he might be teaching a certain, a certain way and only sticking to that. And your whole life, you're going to be like, um, tunnel vision, you know, with that denomination and never be able to go outside of that. So, what I think is awesome about the internet, you know, and, and the, and Zoom and, and having podcasts is you could study now at the, at your fingertips. You could study all the different denominations. You could study all the, you know, the Greek, you got the Hebrew, you got everything in your fingertips. So you have no excuses. So now when you go to heaven and God is judging you, it's like, well, how can we never, you know, I never knew you. He's going to say that to you because, bro, you have so many opportunities to read the Bible and, and study. And, and you just let this everyday life take over your, you know, take over you and you never get the chance to just, you know, to get, build a relationship with God. But it's, it's so important, but you could, you could read the Bible in Hebrew. You can learn Hebrew. You can learn Greek. You could do all that. So you have so much, you know, so much stuff at your fingertips now. It's insane and you have no excuses. So when God sees you, he's going to be like, 
It's it was right there. You know, <laughs> you could you could have you could have been studying the whole time. Instead, you're looking up at you know looking at Instagram booties or or looking up uh, what your friends doing <laughs> ate for lunch. Who cares? You know what I mean? I like you got to get into the Bible. Who cares? Know, what you're ready for lunch, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I think the problem is when not too many podcasters actually approach this type of platform by having multiple Christians on one panel. Because, like you said, there's multiple denominations, and people yeah. have their teams. And you, you see, you hear it, and they try it once or twice, and people get bogged down in their denominational view, and they, it's infighting. It's the worst. You see, Christians fighting Christians, oh, casting yeah. stones at each other. So. I know. Like for myself, it's like what you said, Josh. You have to, you have to approach the Bible and faith yourself first. You have to find it within yourself. Personally, I classify myself as denominationally and theologically homeless as a Christian. Yeah, I haven't found uh, any any single church or any single denomination that I identify with yet. I'm just going through the motions of reading the Bible, understanding it for myself, and researching. And yeah. in a lot of ways, it's like what the Israelites were—the Israel or Israelite. It stands for those who wrestle with God. And I'm wrestling with God at the moment, understanding it and and trying to come to terms with what the world is and what it's all about. So as long as we're having these conversations and we're not attacking one another, which we're not at the moment, which is fantastic, I oh, think we're, no, in a, we're in a winning straight, right? We're doing I wouldn't well. attack any of you guys. I love you, brothers. And seriously, I, lo- I appreciate even being able to be on the uh, uh, podcast with all you brothers, definitely. I could tell you guys study well and you guys have a, a, a great hearts, you know? There'll be no no attacking here. It's all love. <laughs> yeah. I love that you guys said study and research, though, because one of the things that we found that has kind of led to the unfortunate condition of the church in America is the um, the, the Great Awakenings. Are you familiar with those at all? Uh, and I, have, I, I think I might be. <laughs> so I think it was mid to late 1700s into the 1800s. There was this rapid expansion of Christianity in the United States. And on one hand, it's a really good thing, right? You know, quote unquote revival happening and all of that. But it, it began to take a turn when there was so many people and they needed more churches and they needed more pastors. They shift from, they shifted from needing an, an educated clergy to a feelings based um, leadership. Instead of looking at people and going, okay, who's actually qualified? You know, who meets the criteria? Who knows the Bible well enough to teach it? They go, well, who feels like they're led to be a preacher? So then you start filling the churches with these people that mean well, but are unequipped to lead and teach a bunch of people what the what the Bible really means. And you get over the the you get what's called the burnt over region, which is around New York where there was just so much um, confusion and expansion, you get a, a majority of the the cults that we see today come from this, this rapid mm. expansion and then this moving away from um, study and understanding and research to just feelings-based theology. Yeah. So, yeah, we really have to take on that responsibility to do the work and look and see what it really says, do the research. 100%. Yeah, I feel like it, that is vastly important, bro. And and it happens, man. Sometimes you you know you, you like I used to go to uh, well, I still go to Calvary Chapel right now. It's non denominational, um, more for uh you know for support. I like I like having brothers around. You know, iron sharpens iron. Um, but uh, I think it's it's but I never ever 
I don't sit there and listen to my pastor preach and then I just accept what he says and that's it. Hey, and then 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 throughout the week I just you know sit there and, and be lax, you know, like the whole week, bro. I'm studying the whole entire week. I'm sitting, I mean, I do have a show now, so it's a little different, but um just it's like it, it's hard because the everyday hustle and bustle of living in California or living anywhere right now in America or probably in it also for Drew. What they do is they bog you down so much, it's hard for you to even study, you know? So I'm blessed with the job where I could just study all day long, you know, and I can, I can listen to pastors preach. I can listen to the Bible on my earphones, you know, whatever I want to do. I'm blessed with that. But uh, it's, it's like you said, man, it's so important. And, and, and that's the thing, too, is Jesus says it so many times in the Bible. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. He, he says that a lot because of what you're talking about, where people come with the emotions and the feelings and they're trying to teach the Bible and, and people will just follow that. And then they just accept what that guy is saying or that man is saying. What it says on the Bible is let God be truth and every man a liar. So we got to understand that. So the pastor, you know, all pastors do an amazing job and, and there's so many that are doing great. And I'm not trying to put them down or anything, but I'm just trying to say what you have to do is make sure that you accept what that gentleman is saying and then you go home and study it yourself and make sure that God shows you what he wants to show you. You know, it's, it's, it's sad. It's a sad thing, man, when you just accept what a pastor says and that's it. And then the rest of the week, you're just mute. And then all of a sudden Sunday you go, you're feeling good. And then the rest of the week you're mute. You know, you don't speak to God. You know, it's just, I just pray that there's a lot more people that are out there. Like, you know, obviously we have a podcast, so we get to study and research and, and it's vastly important. I think Ben. I have a term for that, Josh, and it's not a, a slight of Christianity at all, but it's, you know how there's trust the science? There's a statement of trust yeah. the science. In a lot of ways, if you're not an active Christian and, and researching and unpacking it yourself and trying to understand it, it almost becomes a, air quotes, trust the faith or trust what the pastor says or trust what your yeah. your sermon is. Mm-hmm. If you're not unpacking yourself and trying to understand it, you're doing what these other people are doing in other fields, in other ideologies. You're just trusting what's presented to you. Yeah. The guy in the white coat, right. the lab coat comes mm-hmm. up. There or worse than that, <laughs> there was a, a, a book, Live Not by Lies by uh, Rod Dreher. And uh, he talks about it and he says that uh, so many in the, in the West are actually practicing therapeutic theology. That you only, you know, use it to put a salve on it, rub where it burns or whatever. And then outside of that, you don't need it. And I was like, wow, that's, that's a pretty astute assessment. Well, there's another one then, Christopher. It's what about the people who are culturally Christian, but don't actively believe or follow any of the tenets themselves. They do it for yeah. financial gain or for clout within the community. And you can tell those people, they, they come across as charlatans and you see it. It's as plain yeah. as day. But those people exist also. You know, Drew, my, yeah, um, my, my uh, old high school teacher used to have this saying, uh, uh, he would call it one-thirds, two-thirds thinking. He would say one-third of the population is competent, two-thirds of the population is incompetent. You know, two-thirds of the population has to be told what to think, what to eat, what to wear, all the way down to what to laugh at. You know, when you're watching a sitcom, they have to put laugh tracks in there to let you know where the joke is because people have gotten to the point they can't even find the funny when it's right in front of them. And I think that that whole mentality carries over into other parts of life. You know, like Josh was saying, uh, you have to do a lot of this studying for yourself. And I think one of the things that has become so easy for people is we farm out our responsibility of thinking and evaluating life to others. 
You know, when it comes to our pastors, we allow them to think theologically for us. Political pundits can think politically. You know, talk show hosts, they think philosophically. Music and movies, they tell us how to think emotionally. Social media teaches how to think from a pop culture perspective. And we're getting all of these controlling sources that are thinking for us as opposed to us learning how to evaluate reality for ourselves. You know, learning that that uh, that feedback mechanism of observing how life actually goes, looking and, and figuring out that, hey, everything has a creator. There's nothing in our world that exists that doesn't have a creator except somehow us. At least that's the, <laughs> the modern way of, of looking at it. And I yeah. know there's probably with the, uh, a, a show like this with an audience this size. I know that there are people that are going to believe in the idea of evolutionary thinking. And I would say to people like that, hey, really evaluate that standpoint, like carry it all the way out. Look at it not just as a creation uh, motif or an idea, but look at it as a philosophical idea for life, because where you start often depends, determines how you end. Right. If you think that everything happened accidentally and is without any sort of intentionality. That plays into how we live and how we treat each other, because then you'll turn around and go, well, why is it people could do what they do? How is it that they can drive up interest rates? How is it that you can take people's jobs? How is it that you can destroy lives? Well, if everything happened by accident, none of it really matters. If it's all about survival of the fittest, you can't be mad at me. Scripture teaches a very different methodology. It teaches a very different doctrine. It teaches that we were all created, which means we have responsibility to our creator and we have to look to our creator. We have to look to, to Yahweh. We have to look to Jesus' father to actually get our bearing. That's how we determine what the purpose of life is. That's how we determine how we're, our morality and how we're supposed to treat one another. That's how we determine what happens in the afterlife. It's all these major questions that we have. You know, where do we come from? What are we supposed to do while we're here? What happens when we go? These are all the, we the core questions of, of life, and we're all trying to figure yeah. it out. And if you're not getting it from the correct source, then you're stuck in just confusion and muck and mire, and it takes the hope out of life. You're left with hopelessness. And that is what we see yeah. happen across across the the uh, the landscape of life. That's why we see you know suicide rates are going up. That's why we see the type of depression that we see, because we're being told that there is no God. We're being told that life is yeah. random and meaningless. And our reality is such that, no, we're constantly looking for purpose and we're looking for meaning. We're looking for all of that in life, which means that it must not be random. It must not be purposeless. Right. And scripture teaches you're absolutely right. It's not. There is a point to it that God created everything, that it was done so that we could actually have perfect relationship with a perfect being, that that was marred by our own uh, foolishness and joining the opposite side does it. Hey, you can achieve Godhood without having to deal with the God. You could do it yourself. And now we've been going through our whole lives, trying to be our own gods, writing our own script, if you will, as the movie still goes and wondering why none of this is really working out. So we just rewrite the script right in the middle is the cameras are still going and the whole play is falling apart because we won't go back to the actual script writer. We won't go to the person who created it all and say, Hey, let's straighten this all out. How are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to think? How are we supposed to function right now? We're living in a culture that says there is no script writer. 
You're not even, you don't know where you can go. All you can do is do it yourself and the next person next to you, they'll do the best they can do and you try to work it out in between. But that doesn't work out well. It doesn't work out if it's just two people, let alone 8 billion people, all trying to figure out how they live life based on their own individual moral standards, which probably are not well thought out to begin with. That's all going to be problematic. So I think every person who, who's listening, they, we have a responsibility, like you were saying, Josh, to evaluate and determine for ourselves if there A is a creator and if there is, is there anything he said about how we're supposed to live life? And if he has, if there is a creator and he has said how we're supposed to live life, then are we doing it? That's, that's the major thing. And one of the biggest challenges to that is like you were saying, uh, Drew, this this denominationalism, which breaks up a, a consistent framework for us to be able to consistently show people, hey, this is the way, this is how you do things, this is who the creator is, this is what he said. Now there's all these different interpretations of it. And it becomes increasingly problematic when it's all put under one label, which is Christian, which is personally is not even a label I, I necessarily like, considering that it was given to us by the world. You know, if the world gives us a label, then they also control the label, right? They can determine what it means then to be Christian, which becomes a major issue. When you notice in scripture, it was about being a disciple of Christ. It was about being a direct follower. A so that, follower. Yeah. Exactly. It's that different than believing. Right. Yeah. You could believe mm -hmm. in Christ. You could be a believer. You know, we're saved by grace through faith. So which is great, but being a follower of Christ is totally different. It's a, being a disciple is totally different than just being a believer in Christ. You know what I mean? So that's that's very true, Jason. And also, we we bear the image of God too. We don't even people don't even understand that. First uh, uh, Colossians fifteen. This is talking about Jesus. It says, "Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in the earth, that are uh, that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible, invisible, whether they uh, be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers." All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Talking about Jesus. So everything was created through him, by him, for him, and we we all bear the image of God. So when people say, oh, you're using God's name in vain, it's not like, you know, it is bad to cuss, but we're actually using God's name in vain as saying that you're a Christian and not being a follower of Christ, but only just believing, you know, what Jason was talking about. People say, oh, you know, being a Christian is, hey, that's awesome. You know, but when you walk into a room, people should already know you're Christian. They could, they should feel you're Christian by the way that you move, the way that you speak, the way that you talk, the way that you, you know, the way you present yourself, you know, you're, you're presenting God. Like that's, you're bearing the image of God. We are created in God's image. Also, another thing, uh, you're talking about science. We got to understand something here, okay? As a conspiracy theorist, red flags pop up when we see stuff like, uh, you know, Jesuits, when we see stuff like uh, Freemasons, especially 33-degree Masons. So when you talk about, like, evolution, you know, um, Charles Darwin's grandpa is the one that came up with the, the, the evolution, the theory of evolution, right? And he's a 33-degree Mason, and he handed it down to, to Charles Darwin to continue his path. His dad was a preacher, so he didn't hand it to him. He handed it to his grandson and said, hey, you take this and you you show it to the world because that's all coming from Freemasons. Now, when you talk about the Big Bang Theory, we have uh, George Lamontre, right? This gentleman is a, a Jesuit trained cosmologist priest. 
And he's talking about the Big Bang. That's all coming from a Jesuit, okay? Uh, Copernicus, when you're talking about the heliocentric model, okay? That's coming from a Jesuit. Copernicus, this is in 1554. The Jesuits were formed when in uh, 1540. So that's that's when the, the, the heliocentric model came out. So when you read the Bible, the, 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 the real uh, creation story of Genesis, that's what you guys got to understand. And when you read Genesis... That's coming. That's a, that's a, uh, see, Moses wasn't alive, you know, so that's, that's a directly coming from God. So it's, it's really interesting, man. And, and Jason, you have some really good, you brought up some really good points there, bro. Seriously. Thanks, man. But we need to understand that, guys. As conspiracy theorists, if you want to be a theistic evolutionist or evolution, or you want to talk about the Big Bang, or you want to believe in all these things, you need to study the people where it's coming from. Because as a conspiracy theorist, who wants to believe a Jesuit? Do any of you guys want to believe Jesuits? All you guys do is expose Jesuits. You expose Freemasons. You expose Illuminati. Expose all that. And then all these ideas are coming from them. Okay. Coming from Lucifer, from Satan. And all of a sudden you want to be like, Oh, well, I believe in the big bang. I believe in evolution. You'll fight to the death, but we'll fight to the death for the other side for God. You know, you guys got to understand that we'll fight to the death for God. I will get my head cut off. I already, I already went, you know, I was in the military, man, but. I don't fight for that anymore, man. None of that stuff. I know it's all demonic principalities of evil ruling, uh, you know, the military, all that stuff. You know, now we're fighting for God. So if you guys are going to believe something, you better study where it came from, because a lot of the stuff is coming from secret societies and it's coming from a narrative. It's not coming from, uh, you know, coming from God. OK, so we need to understand that, man. The Jason, real God, the one true God. Jason, I'm going to piggyback off something you said before, and I think it's a good topic for us as conspiracy theorists to tackle and try and put a, a bit of Christian understanding on it, at least speculation around it. You're talking about the one-third, two-third of the population and two-thirds of, need to, of people need to be told what to do, right, mm-hmm. or what to think. Recent studies have come out from, air quotes, science, <laughs> that suggests that 30% of the population, only 30%, have the ability to have an internal monologue, to have conversations with yourself, to think inside your own mind. So what does that say about the rest of the population? If we're coming at it from both a conspiracy theory angle and as Christians, what does it say about the the, the other 70% of the population? What's different about the 30%? Is it just that we have discernment and we can think for ourselves? Or is there something deeper going on there? And take two divided by three, it's 0.6662, man. So... <laughs> Two thirds is point six six six. So that that that's pretty interesting. But go ahead, Jason. <laughs> I was gonna say I, I think that um, there's definitely something deeper going on. You know, Christopher was was having this conversation with me the the other day and was talking about how when you don't when you aren't able to have that internal dialogue, it really affects your ability to think and process through external stimuli and external information, and it affects your learning process. So I'm really wondering. Who are the who's the seventy percent of people that don't have an inner dialogue? Like, what are you doing all day? Like, I have to literally take my inner Negro and make him be quiet because that inner turtle dialogue is vicious. There are things that cross my mind. I'm like, yo, um, I, yeah, that's illegal. You can't, you can't even think that. Like, that's bad. And just the stuff you share with me is uh, is scary. Which is vetted. I gotta vet the stuff before right, I right. share it with you. Right. So somebody not having an internal dialogue, I'm like, one, conceptually, that's wild. But 
Uh, more than that, I think it shows the effectiveness of a a compromised educational system and at large the satanic control matrix, which is one of the things we we talk about a lot on on our show. That idea that there is a there there are quantitized systems of evil that are designed to truly control humanity, and you're trying to control from an individual level a social level all the way to an absolute integrated control system, right? And the best way to do that is to detune humanity. Like Josh was, was, was so good in reminding us we were designed to be imagers of God, right? That was part of the charge of humanity put us on this planet. And you could see by what Jesus did, Jesus being referred to as the second Adam in scripture, it gives an uh, indication of what the first Adam's responsibility was. And as Jesus has come to actually take the kingdom of God and let's see what's the best way to phrase this, um, bring it to the planet in order to orchestrate order, right? Divine God's divine order and to bring things un, into proper alignment, but then to take that out to the cosmos to actually take the kingdom of God and project it out. Like that's what Jesus was is, is doing. But we also see since Jesus referred to as the second Adam, that was probably it's it's very easy to conclude that that was most likely Adam's original charge as well. To be an ambassador, as scripture says, of God, to be a divine emissary. And so as beings encountered us, they were supposed to be encountering God. We were supposed to be that type of representative, right? That's a huge, powerful responsibility. And if that's what humanity was really designed to do and was charged with, getting us to a place where our minds are detuned and we no longer properly image our creator allows for us not to be able to fulfill that purpose effectively. So when we're going through a system, a satanic control matrix that detunes us through through corrupted education, through an educational system that teaches us God doesn't exist, through a system that teaches us we all arouse from chaotic you know, banging of different elements that produce Swamp. intellectual life. Yeah. To teach that we came from single celled organisms to this multi-celled organisms to teach that consciousness came from unconsciousness. It's a complete inversion of everything that scripture teaches. Everything is bro. But it's not yeah. just an, it's not an arbitrary uh, tactic. It's not like, let me just turn this over for the sake of turning it over. The point in turning it over is that, we don't get a understanding of what we were supposed to be. And that means we don't carry out the purpose that we were designed to do, which means it leaves a, a opportunity for uh, it leaves a vacuum. And like they say, nature abhors a vacuum, right? So that's the opportunity for Satan to come in and exploit that breach. And when he can, he gets a, a leverage into that place and then he can actually get a stronghold and he can rule by that. It's like almost ruling by technicality. It's a real sinister approach, but it's a very effective and strategic approach. And so I think it's it's critically important for us to, to realize that there is a methodology being employed to control us, to get us not to think, to get us not to evaluate honestly, to get us to just respond emotionally, to get us to the place where we're just behaving almost as automatons. And we're not doing what scripture says. We're not actually fulfilling our, our mandate as human beings. Like we are an amazing creation. It does not feel like it in this world, <laughs> right? There are a lot of things that tell us, Hey, you suck. 
hey, you're not making it. Hey, you're not measuring up. But it's all based on a system that's designed to compare us to things that don't really fit our original mandate to begin with. You know, it's not about what house we live in, how much clothes we have. It's not about who we date or marry. It's not about any of those things. It's really supposed to be who are you based on how you were created to be? Who are you in relation to to your creator? Are you are, are you, you taking those talents? Yeah, right, are you right. taking those talents that God gave you? Are you going to go bury them? You know, are you going to take those talents? You're going to are you going to bring them back to God and 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 obviously be fruitful, right? Exactly. That's what we need to do. And you most know, people are wondering, sure. I don't even have any talents. What talents? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Right? I'm I just know, trying bro. to make it from nine to five. I'm just trying to make sure yeah. that I got a place to live. And what's what's wild is that I get it. But there's a system that's designed to change your focus so that that's all you care about to put you on the rat wheel, you know, to take take advantage of the financial system to put pressure on you to where you can't even think about anything beyond what I got to eat. Where am I going to (laughs) sleep? You know, can I have some hot water to to wash my behind with? Hopefully people's washing their behind you. You never know nowadays (laughs) about that pandemic. It's a little rough now. (laughs) They, only, right. they they washed themselves like 20 times during the pandemic, but now they don't wash it all. No, right, right, right. It's different now. We post-pandemic. You know, there, there's a there's now, a conscious effort to to really strangle the the um the mental landscape of a person to where you can't even really consider these more important topics, these more important things that really are huge. So not all that pressure, not all that um inaction on people's part is is directly their fault. Some of it is, but there's a system being employed that's designed to get you to where you don't even think about those things, to where your choices are restricted. Jesus says, don't worry about what you wear. He says, do, do the birds take uh, food and, and put it in a barn? No, the birds don't. So, And, and you're more important than birds, you know? So we got to understand that. So everything you're talking about that people are focused on, you're not focused on God anymore, you know, like Peter, when he, when he walked on the water, right. He like, he saw Jesus, he was focused on Jesus and Jesus was like, come to me, Peter. And he was focused on Jesus. But as soon as he like looked down and, and he, and he stopped focusing on God, he fell in the water. You know, that's how it is with us, man. And and people are so worried about what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, the car they drive, what people think, you know, if I'm going to go to the mall, I need to make sure my hair is cut, make sure this person doesn't look at me wrong. You know, all that stuff that that doesn't right. mean anything. Nobody cares. You know what I mean? Seriously, nobody cares, man. You got to make sure that you're, you know, like you, like you were saying, man, you brought up some really good points there. I, I just think that people need to focus on God, man. Start depending on God, you know, depend on God, you know, walk by faith, you know, let God handle it, you know, and I think. And God wants to be with you at all times, man. He wants to be with you when you're when you're driving in the car. He wants to be with you when you're at work. He wants to be with you in the morning. He wants to be with you when you brush your teeth, when you lift weights. He wants to be there. That's why Jesus, I think he says that, man. I think that's just in chills up and down someone's spine. When Jesus says that, you, he's, I prophesize in your name. I cast out demons in your name. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. That should send chills up your spine to hear that. And and it's people like us, bro. We need to make sure that people are not t- told that by Jesus. You know what I mean? You got to make sure that, you know, that's that's why it's so hard. And as, as a Christian, it is tough. You were talking about that, that it's, it's, it's easier to be in war and in the army. Because, bro, there's so much responsibility when it comes to someone's soul and someone's spirit. And, and, and dude, if, and you, if you have somebody in front of you, sometimes God's going to put them in your path so that you have that one moment to try to save them, you know, and they could just go down the wrong path when they leave you. It's so vastly important, 
you know, and, and the people that are listening too. Right. Unfortunately, most people don't even believe they don't believe they have a soul. They don't believe they have a spirit. Oh my goodness. Well, man, Jason, know, this, this is leading into my extreme theory because you just tackled that with a well-articulated reasoned account of why mm. only 30% of the population have an inner monologue. My one is far more fringe and far more conspiratorial. But before I drop my one, Chris, what do you think about it? Why do only 30% of the population have an internal monologue? Um, I think this came up in our uh, one of our monthly Zoom calls. Um, I think the data needs to be taken into consideration, like where they where they got the data. And as much as I hate this cop out, a lot of that is going to be anecdotal evidence. So you're asking people, hey, do you have an internal dialogue or monologue, right? To that goes on. And I've got friends that say that they've got um like multiple TV screens, is how they think. Right? So I think we're in trouble when we try to force the way that everyone perceives their own cognitive ability into just do you have a monologue or a dialogue going on inside you? Because I'm not even sure as much as I think, say, five years ago, if somebody would have asked me, I'm not sure if I would have answered, yes, I have that because I maybe hadn't considered it. Uh, the other thing is uh, Jordan Peterson talks a lot about how thinking is having to be able to run a dialogue in your head, right? And he says that people that aren't good at it need to talk to other people because the other person offers that second person in order for you to think. And if we have a whole generation of people that are growing up using social media, that a majority of their communication is happening that's not an actual dialogue, it's text messages back and forth, it's memes, it's all of this – I think it's actually training our brains to process information differently or possibly incorrectly because we don't we don't know how to very well have a dialogue in real life, let alone be able to run that engine internally. So I, I think we have a, a couple of those things that maybe the data isn't quite as accurate as they want to say. And I think that a lot of the um, systems that are put in place, like you were saying, Jason, actually work to dumb us down. You know, the television puts us in a, uh, what is it, beta, alpha state? I can't remember which one yeah, it is. I think it's an state. alpha state. Right. And then it implants information. And then we have the social media and a majority of our communication isn't happening the way that it's supposed to. So of course that's going to inhibit cognitive function and then confuse us on how we even think that our, our mind engine is running. So that would be my take. Okay. I'm going to be really, really out there then. And I'm going to be the person who throws a spanner in the works and goes a bit crazy on it. We know that even according to scripture, that. The Nephilim or the descendants of the Nephilim survived the flood. Some of them did. They were in Canaan when the Israelites returned. The Nephilim. We, a lot of conspiracy theorists, even non-Christians, believe that the elites of the world, royals, they are the Nephilim bloodlines. Lots and lots and lots of people in the world, thanks to things like 23andMe and um, DNA ancestry tests, they can trace their own ancestors back to royal families. So my little fringe theory is, what if only 30% of the human population are what you would consider to be 100% untainted humans and the remainder of which somewhere along the lines, no matter what small percentage or how far along, have some kind of Nephilim DNA within them, which in turn takes away abilities like 
internal monologues and dialogues because they are connected to a greater legion of thought or some kind of other entity. Okay. I'll tell you this. Biblically, um, if you think about it, okay, so if you are Nephilim, uh, you got to think about that, man. You're, you're, you're now, you're, you came from an angel having sex with a human, right? So you're not even savable, if that makes sense, biblically. So I think like, uh, because you're not, you're not a hundred percent human. So now what I do believe is they're trying to probably paint the DNA, but I believe what happens is like when, when God set the flood and if you, if you read it, um, the only way that the, that the, now the Nephilim did, they became Raphaim, you know, and, and it did survive the flood. You're right, Drew. And I'm not really too sure how that happened. And we don't know biblically how that happened. Some people say it came through Ham's line because, uh, it talked about, um, it talked about some, some giants coming through there, like as far as like, you know, uh, bloodline wise. But I, I, I don't know how it survived, but you're, yeah, it, it, but it seems like they got smaller, you know, and, um, and that's a very interesting take, but I, I don't believe that the Nephilim bloodline right now is, you know, I don't believe that the, that it, that it's survived, if that makes sense. That's my personal opinion. But there is a lot of people that do believe that the higher ups and the elite are Nephilim and they are. So I, I don't know, man, but that's an interesting take, man. And, and who knows? All I like to do is go to the Bibles and, and I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. So I don't know, but that's an interesting take though, for sure, bro. Maybe they have, maybe they do don't have the receptors. Maybe they can't believe in God because they're unsavable, you know, but what the book of Enoch says, which is extra biblical text, it says that when the Nephilim died, in the flood, you know that that the their, their spirits they they roam the earth because that's that's what became demons, you know. And fallen angels are different. Like if you look at angels in the Bible, um, they're able to grab, they're able to eat, they look like humans, uh, you know, and they they have a body. But like when you talk about a demon, they're looking for a, a body to inhabit, and uh, that's something we should understand too, as Christians or as people, like. These demons, they wish they could be in your body. They wish they could look at their wife and love them. They wish they had kids. Uh, I, and the Bible, it also talks, I mean, in, in the book, Enoch also talks about the, the fallen angels asking like, hey, can, are they going to be savable? Like, can they please be saved? And God said, no, not at all. So we got to understand that we're savable. God will save us, you know, and these demons hate you. They want to get inside you. They want to kill you. They want to make you sin. They can't stand the fact that you can breathe, that you can look at your wife and say, I love you, have your kids. They hate that. And so does Satan. He absolutely hates the fact that you're savable because they sinned against God and they're unsavable. But all of us are savable. We're able to be saved through Jesus, you know, so it's really important. So now I'm not saying that that the book of Enoch is is canon, but it is canon in certain countries, and it's a very interesting book. And a lot of people that that read the Bible they go back to the book of Enoch as refer references. So I believe that when the Nephilim died in the flood, those are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim are the demons. I believe that angels are something different. There's an angel in the Bible that killed 185,000 men. It was it was the angel. Of, you know that's that those those are powerful demons. They're not like that. You know, I think that Satan, what he wanted to do, uh, besides the fact that, he, you know, he knew from Genesis 3.15, he knew that there's going to be a seed, there's going to be a Messiah, and he wanted to try to taint the bloodline to stop that Messiah from coming. But he also needs an army because God has two-thirds of the angels. He only has one-third. 
So he he needed an army. So what he did is he got the demons. Now the demons are on us on his side. He's also trying to go through um transhumanism and start another army. And I think uh, they want to taint the DNA. Once again, I think Drew, you have a good point there. I think he wants to try to make people non-human and he wants to, he wants to download your, your, your consciousness in, into a computer. You know, it talks about iron and miry clay in the book of Daniel it says that it doesn't mix, you know, clay and iron don't mix, you know, but there's really interesting stuff that's happening right now that, that, that's really interesting. But, um, I do believe that the demons are different than the fallen angels, uh, because you know, they need to inhabit something, you know, they need to ask permission, you know, and it also talks about in the Bible, a lot of people think that the, the fallen angels and the devil are just, they're, they're, they're bound to hell and that's where they're at. But if you look at Job 1, 6, God and, and is talking to the devil and, and, and the sons of God are with him. So his fallen angels and the devil can come to, to God's court and speak to him. There's also a divine council where there's a lying spirit talking to God and saying, I'll go down there. I'll talk to that prophet. I'll be a lying spirit. So you guys got to understand that, uh, you know, when it talks about Revelation 12, 9, where, where the fallen angels, it talks about that Lucifer falling from heaven and he, he can no longer come to heaven anymore. He's stuck on earth. We got to understand that's a separate event than when, than when he got cast out of heaven. You know, he was able to go back. Job 1, 6, it talks about Satan being there, able to talk. And he says he walks on the earth and he says he walks in the earth as well. So what's in the earth, guys? Well, if you read the Bible, Sheol is in the earth. So when we're talking about science and all this stuff, you know, oh no, it's just a globe, and there's 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 just you know you know it's whatever thirty thousand degrees. They don't they have no idea because they've only they've only dug down eight eight miles, you know, and that's it. So they have no clue what's down there. But if you read the Bible, Sheol is down there. You know, hell is in the earth. Very interesting. But go ahead, guys. Sorry, I don't want to take. <laughs> I don't want to get too crazy. Sorry. So, Drew, I, that's all right. You, you said you had a, a fringe idea, right? All right. So, my perspective might be a little bit more fringe than yours. Ooh, throw it at me. Uh, but Let's give, say me, it. give me a few minutes to to, to flesh it out. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Dr. Laura Sanger does a, a remarkable treatment on the question <laughs> that you were you were asking. Um, yep. you know, with, with the idea of, okay, so let's say that, that we've got 30% of the population is pure, you know, we'll say pure blood and 70% is tainted from a scriptural perspective. If you, if you go back to Genesis and you read about the ark and you see that there's some very specific language that's used that talks about the fact that, you know, all the animals were, that came on after their own kind, uh, which is, if you're just reading it, in English, you just skip right over that. You're like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm trying to get to the rest of whatever happened. But it's an important statement because it shows that there was no genetic corruption. And this was like the big thing with Noah. The fact that it says in scripture that Noah was perfect in all of his generations doesn't mean that he was a moral person. It meant that he didn't yeah. have genetic corruption, right? It's a yep. pretty scientific statement actually for those who think that science and the Bible are separate. That's a totally different issue, but I just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, yeah. When it comes to Noah's sons and their wives, it doesn't talk about them being after the same kind. So there's this idea mm -hmm. then that perhaps we know with Noah and Noah's progeny, his three sons, they were pure, but perhaps the wives they took wives. contain yeah, there you go. genetic information that belonged to the Nephilim. They may have had some corrupted genes 
And by way of that, they could have through the arc and through everything that happened after the flood provide the platform for Nephilim activity to recommence on the planet post flood, which helps Mm -hmm. to answer the question, how did Nephilim activity come about after the flood? If the, the purpose of the flood was to deal with the whole Nephilim issue, you know, to begin with. And I think Laura Sanger's perspective is, is probably the best treatment I've ever heard, which she deals with the idea of epigenetics. And for those listeners who don't know, epigenetics is uh, basically a set of information that sits on top of your genetic structure. So epi means on, on top of, correct me, Christopher, if I'm wrong. Uh, Nope. I think that's right. (laughs) But it sits on top of that. So it's an additional layer of instructive information that according to her research is actually activated by a person's decision-making, right? So they, they've noticed that if you, uh, I think they were noticing, they did a study and they noticed that in prepubescent boys, if you expose them to overeating or if you expose them to smoke, their, their progeny two or three generations later lived a significantly less lifespan than had they not actually, if, if the, the, the boys had not actually smoked and not overeaten. So it showed a, a correlative link between their behavioral choices and the impact on their offspring for at least two or three generations. Well, applying that out wider, it seems to be that our choices that we make in our life, especially our bad choices, become the predispositions of our children, right? And if we're dealing with this thing of Nephilim DNA, it seems that that DNA can be unlocked through an epigenetic set of information that is determined by the actions of the parent. So this is kind of what you see with with Ham, and which was no one of Noah's sons. He's actually the line of of he's the genetic line that I think has the most giant activity in it. All yeah, three lines, the Amorites, all these. Di- yeah, yeah, all three lines yeah, yeah, do yeah. show that there was Nephilim activity, but Ham seems to be the most concentrated. It and might be Ham's wife. The notion would be yeah. that perhaps what Ham did when it says that that Ham saw his father's nakedness, right? And the fact that he actually seemed to express some level of perversity in regards to however that transpired, that that decision unlocked epigenetic information in his DNA, maybe passed on in his children's DNA, passed on through the combination of him and his wife. And that that activity may have been the thing that unzipped the Nephilim DNA to be active, like to actually turn that gene on. And that's how you get some of the the giants and the giant activity that happens post-flood. Well, if that's true to your question, then there's a couple things that you have to take into account here. If all of humanity has been seeded in some way or another with Nephilim DNA or genetic information, then it seems, though, that the, the power of God is able to counter that, right? We're not without hope there seems to be we can all be saved now but we're not all pure blood because all of us can't trace our lineage all the way back through the line of shim which i don't which i believe had the least amount of nephilim dna in it we're all able to still be saved so on some degree we're still human there's there is something still that that god is able to redeem but it also means then that if there is nephilim activity that's causing us to behave a certain way i.e not having an internal dialogue, that that's also correctable too. 
My question would be, is the fact that we have been systematically and generationally conditioned to to not only be dumb, but also to accept Luciferian ideas and act on that? Has that not activated maybe some of the genet- the epigenetic information in our bloodlines that has ties to Nephilim activity and maybe produced the 70% of people that don't have an internal dialogue. If it has, it's still correctable. Like you don't have to just run around without an internal dialogue, but I wonder if that's not a real possibility and not just the internal dialogue piece, but then other things that we see happening on the planet as well. Could the bloodlust issues that we see, the the child sacrifice issues that we see, all of that, that has to play a role epigenetically. You know, we've been sacrificing children. Every culture in history sacrifice practices infant sacrifice and human sacrifice as a whole, but also infant sacrifice. In the United States is definitely, definitely in line with that. You know, there's a lot of blood running through our country. Does those activities and decisions unlock Nephilim features or Nephilim information within our bloodline that then can be manifested in Nephilim um, predispositions. Can it actually produce levels of iniquity and spiritual perversion that run rampant in our culture that might actually be the underlying fuel for why we see the perversity in our culture that we do, including the dumbing down of our society? Oh, Drew Froze. Well, all it takes is a all it takes is a few <laughs> different things, <laughs> right? No, no. Drew Froze, man. I thought I, I thought you had to reboot. <laughs> right, this. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, I know all this conversation is like, going in the future, but, but Drew, Jason's come back, like, baby. Jason's like, I just did a drop the mic moment, and everybody's frozen. I was like, oh. it really worked. Oh my We're like, God. oh no, we ain't frozen, bro. <laughs> oh, we all just became Nephilim right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 well, that that really goes back to what you consider with terrain theory as well. We know that epigenetically that certain factors in our environments can trigger mutations or things to arise within our DNA to cause illnesses. Same way it can cause genetic traits to, to go a certain way. It can even in, inform the way that people will act personality-wise or culturally. It, small things within your environment or influences can change who you are as a person. So I think you hit the nail on the head with that, especially with the work that she's doing. It's absolutely unreal what she's unpacking, that we all know DNA is information. You can store more information in one human cell than you can across a 1,000 supercomputers. Our DNA is endless information. And if we're worried about the things that are causing, say, the 70% of people not being able to have an internal monologue or the proclivity to do and react in society in certain ways. We have to think about the positives that are hidden away in our DNA as well, because our DNA does go back to the first people, the first pure people. It goes back and shows us the divine spark of God. So what other wonderful things are hidden away in our DNA? We don't know about. And we got to understand, man, soon as soon as we get saved, right. Soon as we get saved and we're saved now, we, we, we now have the Holy spirit. So Nephilim and all that stuff is 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 no longer going to be able to affect you when you're. I believe. I'm not saying. Okay. I know. What, I don't know what Laura's uh, research is, and I, I know she's amazing. I never had her on my show. I don't know what her thought process is, but once you get saved biblically, you have the Holy Spirit with you now, and I believe that 
You're not going to be the able to be affected by Nephilim, demon. You're not going to be able to be any of that stuff. You're, you're saved by the blood of Jesus and that, and that's it. You're sealed. You know what I mean? So I know that you can, I'm not saying that it's once saved, always saved. I'm just saying like once you're saved by, by God, that any of that stuff it is not going to affect you anymore from, from what I believe. And I believe the Bible stands true. I think that's, that's done. No more Nephilim, no more demon, no more of that stuff's going to affect you. Once you have the Holy Spirit in you. Josh, you were saying a moment ago, though, um, and one of the things I thought was so so cool, you were talking about transhumanism and some of the other yeah. things that were in play, you know, uploaded consciousness, mm-hmm. all, all that type of stuff. One of the things that, that she detailed was this idea of a Nephilim agenda and that the whole purpose of the Nephilim was to actually try to create uh, a hybrid race of humanity and how we see a constant push uh, in our in society to constantly combine humanity with things it was never meant to be combined with. Why yep. we see the whole transhumanistic uh, push, which is to combine humanity with machinery. Why we see the idea of you can live eternally being offered to people just like Satan offered in the Garden of Eden. You don't have to die. You can have your your consciousness uploaded. Or as uh, yeah. that Netflix movie put it, you can be resleeved. What was that uh uh, that carbon, alter carbon, alter carbon. Yeah. Yeah. You could be resleeved or uh, that movie transcendence. You can have your entire consciousness put into a computer. And we see a lot of this push happening for science and humanity to, to merge. And it looks like it would be a good thing. You know, this could improve life. The, the, the nefarious aspect is we're always pitched the benefit. We're never told, the way that this stuff could really adversely affect us, right? We're never told well, that, yo, when if you could capture a person's consciousness and who they are, right? One, it causes the evolutionary idea to fall apart in a lot of different ways. Uh, but two, excuse me, two, if I can capture you, I could control you. Right? Where do you where do you get to go? You're gonna be subjected almost in prison, if you will, in whatever device you could be uploaded to. And you become a digital uh, purgatory, right? You become part of that system and you're, you're, uh, you're obligated to it unless you're conscious or your soul, which they're not going to really talk about is able to be extracted from that in order to be put into something else. But the idea that you could have an eternal body, it'll just be a metallic body. Not this one that God gives you. That's free of corruption, you know, and an amazing body, but you'll be subjected to machinery. There's all sorts of stuff that you're not told. And you're always pitch the the benefit then, of it normally it'll be a medical benefit you know something that we can cure some yeah. disease that unfortunately the system created in the first place but in the meantime you're risking your entire existence you're risking your soul for for these things that were being pitched and the crazy thing is that a lot of it ties back to the garden of eden a lot of it is the original pitch that satan gave to humanity you don't have to die sure. you could have infinite knowledge you can be tied to to the web, the internet, all of that. You can get all the information you want, like Neo from The Matrix. You can have it instantly downloaded into your, your brain. You don't have to die. And you can experience life in an elevated form, right? And none of it is tied to the idea of experiencing it with a creator. The relationship component is completely obfuscated from, from the, the conversation, it's not that you can have an experience with a loving God whose mercies and pleasures are new evermore. It's not that you can actually be fulfilled through your creator and 
and have your deepest desires met, not not your own sexual proclivities type of desires, but your deepest needs for intimate relationship, for validation, for meaning, for purpose. You can have all of that met with a being that loves you is not trying to extract something from you. It also says in Revelation, bro, that um, that people are going to be begging for death. Right. It says that that they're going to they're going to desire to die and death shall flee from them. Because the locusts, uh, they'll be like locusts and scorpions are going to be stinging you repeatedly. They, they forgot to tell you that pitch, that in Revelation, people are going to be begging for death. For five months, you're going to be tortured. So what happens is these people that want to live here forever, they want to download their consciousness, whatever they end up doing. Right. What it is, is they you can live on earth forever and have all the pleasures of earth, or you can live with God eternally forever. You make your choice. So I do believe the mark of the beast has something to do with what you're mentioning right now, where you can live on earth forever and you're going to have eternity here on earth with the devil, Satan, his demons and everything. And, or, you know, instead of being able to live with God eternally. So what they forgot to mention is in revelation in the future, what's going to happen is you're going to be begging for death and death is going to flee from you. Right. You're yeah, not going to well, be able to die. Right. It's a picture convenience as well at the moment, right? Yeah. And I think Christopher will jump on this because he's a bit of a sci-fi guy myself, that it's a picture of convenience at the moment. They're tiptoeing into this transhumanism world where you pay for your bills by waving your hand. You have a chip in your hand. Next is like a Neuralink. Why would I bother looking at the internet on my phone when I can see it internally in my mind? And then eventually it becomes, we have the cure-all for disease, nanobots in your system, constantly heals you, heals your body all the time. Well, when those scorpions and those those things come out and they are stinging you and you're begging for death, you're still feeling the pain. You might be healing sure. instantly, but you are feeling the pain and you would beg to die under constant pain. Which but is not- Wolverine made it look sure. so cool. See, you hit the claws though. See? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He made it look cool that we can just regenerate and we can reheal and it won't be that big of a deal. Hey, but hey, it hurts every time. Nah, well, you know, he like <laughs> he makes it look cool. Right? All you gotta do is roar a little bit when your claws come out. It's not that and painful. we were talking about the Greek we were talking about like the, the gods and stuff like that, and, and and you guys gotta understand when we're what we're talking about when they get released from the bottomless pit. Uh, it says the Hebrew name is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue, his name is Apollyon. He's the one that lets, you know, opens up the bottomless pit and lets these creatures come out. So Apollo, right? Uh, yeah. The sun, uh, do, you know, of- do, you know what, do you know what CERN runs across? Yeah, I know. CERN I know, runs bro. across a uh, temple to Apollo as well. Yeah. What yeah, are they trying to does. open up with that, huh? You know, we just arbitrarily decided to build the most largest machine on the planet at a random place. I don't want you Christian types, you know, thinking too much into it. <laughs> All right. I know that this is in antiquity considered the the doorway to hell, but don't think that there's anything going on here. I know outside of CERN, we have the God Shiva there and we did a mocking yeah, sacrifice. Shiva's a destroyer. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, but yeah. there's nothing to see here. This is purely just scientific <laughs> research. Look, I, it's a lot of tongue in cheek right now. Like I'm not trying to denigrate people that work at CERN. Uh, I'm sure there is a lot of of meaningful scientific experimentation that's going on there. Where I get concerned is where the heads of these organizations have talked about their intent. Like the first director of CERN talked about the fact that we don't know what's on the other side of this veil, but we have to reach out. Oh, no, Jason froze. Yeah, he did freeze. Wow. He froze this time. I froze? <laughs> Am I still Just for frozen? a second, bro. 
No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Back on NSA, we was talking about something real good, and they was like, ah, talking mean. about CERN, bro. Right. Yeah, Every not time. to talk about CERN. But no. you were talking good about him. Right. <laughs> I didn't even say nothing bad yet. Now that I'm unfrozen, now I'm going to say what I want to say. <laughs> Um, but it was the director of CERN that actually said listen we need to the first director said we don't know what's on the other side of the veil but we need to reach out we're trying to make contact we want to see what's there like whoa 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 buddy what do you Jason you're forgetting the the biggest part though like all this stuff is a concern to us because we've got the inside knowledge right we've got the scoop on it even from a mainstream normie scientific perspective there's a small chance, no matter how small the margin is, they could recreate the Big Bang. That's like selling a car to someone and saying there's a 6% chance the car will explode when you turn the key, but it's only a 6% chance. You have a 94% chance that it doesn't happen. <laughs> exactly. so, you know, the power of positive thinking would be focus on the 94%. The 6%, I just had to tell you that. But, you know, it's never happened before. Yeah, I, I feel you, man. Uh I would be super concerned, you know, working at a place like that that's trying to recreate the Big Bang, which supposedly had enough energy to produce the cosmic universe that we live in right now. It doesn't seem like the type of thing we should actually be involving ourselves with. I mean, I'm sure there's other experiments we could do and understanding, you know, particle physics and understanding how a lot of these subatomic particles interact with each other. I mean, that's cool stuff. Uh, You know, go for it. But trying to recreate the quote-unquote Big Bang, I don't know how that's going to play out. You know, trying to reach beyond our physical divide to get in touch with entities beyond the veil, I don't see how that's going to play out well. Well, how's this? CERN recently, they they booted it back up for the first time in a long time since COVID, right? right. And the first thing they noticed when they ran a test was the magnetic fields on the Earth started to drop and started to fluctuate. Now, my little conspiracy theory in mind with a Christian lens on it would say that they were trying to break through the firmament if the yeah. if you could detect the magnetic fields what's to say the magnetic fields aren't, aren't actually an energy offput of the firmament that's keeping us within this realm and protecting us were they trying to break through it to let say some new soldiers go up in there for the eternal war who knows i well, I, you, I don't well, know also, i think it's quite possible especially where it's positioned because in antiquity the place that they built it was considered the doorway to the underworld Right. That that's where they decided to plant their flag and go, all right, construction starts here out of all the places we could on the planet. We're going to start our construction at the place that, you know, history used to recognize as the doorway to the underworld. And we'll see what happens as we reach out to to get in touch with these other entities. I think it's quite possible. You know, one of the uh, other theories that I came across, I don't know how plausible this is, but I think it's very interesting, is the idea that in the core of the planet, there may be a, a, a hollow tube, right? <clears throat> and this tube is going through the poles of the planet. And because the poles, I guess when you get there, they they invert. I said the tube could be like a bottomless pit where there's no end to it because the poles flip when you get to the end, so it's just constantly going. If if that's the case, and inside of that pit are, are these entities that Revelation refers to, that Apollyon is uh, or Baden is the the king of. Could CERN actually be trying to unlock or open the key to that That's, pit? Yeah. Now Revelation yep. says I've an angel comes down and actually opens has the key. So I don't think CERN's going to be able to do that per se. They're just trying to pick the lock. Pick the lock with all the technology or at human's disposal. Yeah. Well. Well. Or or maybe breach the the barrier between the two. 
and maybe create an opportunity to maybe pass along information between. You might not be able to create, you know, getting through the front door, but if you could create a backdoor hole that you could, or maybe in the sidewall and pass information in between, that still is something. And it's something to be concerned. Maybe about. maybe they're trying to break that veil, like you were talking about. Every time they they hit those together, like a piece of matter, you know, it could be it could be trying to open up the veil and just let all these things out. I mean, it's and it's also a circle. What do they do? Satanic. Uh, whenever they do any kind of satanic uh, sacrifices, or or when they're trying to speak to a demon, it's always in a circle, right? They always do that. So, and if you notice, it's a giant giant circle, and it's um. There's a lot of interesting things about that uh, about CERN, man. Very interesting. But you talked about the firmament, Drew. I love that, you know, and uh, they tried to do that with Operation Fishbowl back in the day. Uh, there was a, there was something called Operation Fishbowl where they did high, high altitude nuclear tests where they were trying to explode, you know, the firmament. They're using Thor missiles to, to explode that. And, um, it was actually called, uh, Operation Dominique Chama was the larger operation and, and Dominique in Latin means, uh, belonging to the Lord and then Chama means fixed shell. So I think that's pretty interesting, man. If you look at that, it happened in 1962. If you guys want to research that, anybody that's listening. And I believe that we're actually on a flat earth uh, with a dome. And and I understand that Jason believes differently, which is all good. I still love everybody. But that's just what I believe the Bible uh, describes in in, in Genesis, that uh, with the firmament and, uh, you know, fixed and immovable, not rotating, not spinning around uh, the sun at 66,600 miles an hour. Uh, we're not just some floating thing out there, and 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 God's throne is above the firmament. I do believe that, and and I believe that God is local, a lot closer than they think. You know, it, with the with the heliocentric model, God would be so far away, and it's ever expanding. He would have to keep going further and further and further away. You know, so but it's all good. Um, interesting stuff you were talking about, Jason. With the um, I haven't heard that before. With the um, uh, the bottomless pit and and the. And the globe. That's interesting, man. Yeah, you know, one of the it's ironic. for for me, it's in- I, I'm in like a uh I'm in flux. You know, the more that I learn, the more I have to apply to what I think I know. So I haven't had a chance mm-hmm. to go out and, you know, get on a rocket ship and look at the planet and actually see its shape. <laughs> um, so I can't hold so so dogmatically to what yeah. I was educated in school. I, I do have questions if we are on a flat earth. You know, there are things that I, I would need to see explained. Uh, and I'm not <clears throat> excuse me at the point where I'm necessarily okay. throwing out uh, a spherical model. Cause there are other things that seem to make sense. I, I think the problem that we hit uh, as a, as a people group is when we're unable to explore ideas that are maybe juxtaposed to our own view yeah. and maybe see, yeah. Hey, is there any merit to this? When we start to, to demonize people or denigrate their views because it's different. I think that's really where we run into a, a major issue. So I think it's cool, like you were saying, Josh, that we could have different views and still there'd be, you know, no animosity, no no issue between us. Whereas For sure. when, when you get out in, yeah. in the larger world, people seem to immediately dismiss the idea because it flies in the face of what they were taught. And I think we have to develop the ability to be able to examine ideas, even if they contradict our previously held view. Because if you can't do that, then you can't learn. You become transfixed. Yeah. And yeah. that means you're not growing anymore. At that point, you're starting to die. Especially if you're a Christian now, you know, you read the Bible and it says in the Bible that even Jesus says that if you don't believe the words of Moses, then how are you going to believe me? 
Right. So it's like a faith builder. So when the Bible says something like, you know, about the the earth, like being fixed and immovable, and then you, and then science says that it's, you know, moving and rotating and all this stuff, then you start going, okay, well, let's see what the Bible says. And, you know, it, it gets really interesting. But what I do is I just use the Bible as my, as my foundation and, and anything else out there that, that, that goes against it. Well, let me just see what God says. I, Cause I do believe that it's, it's God breathed and all scriptures inspired by God. And, and I just, I stick with that, but I think it's, it gets really interesting. I definitely think the Bible is talking about a geocentric for sure. Uh, and not a, uh, heliocentric, you know, and I think it gets really interesting, but it's all love. Like we talked about Jason, like, I'm just like, and I'm glad that you're open to it and I'm open too, man. Right, I'm open I mean, too. Listen, here's what I, here's what I definitely know. I know when I get to heaven and I know when I see God and I know when I see creation, <laughs> yeah. you know, as it is. Oh, there's a lot of things yeah. that I thought I knew that are going to be wild different, right? <laughs> a sure. lot of stuff that I'm sure I knew. Like I might found out that when Michael Jackson was moonwalking, he was really levitating. I'm like, for real, Lord? It was levitation. <laughs> I know. It's like you you thought he was just smooth with it. I'm like, yeah. See, I got I got a lot to learn. So if that's true, if there's a lot for us to learn, then it definitely has to mean that our perception has to change. You know, and being sure. being yeah. human beings, only having, you know, being on this planet as a species at the limited amount of time that we have, there's no way we can know everything about our created existence. There has to be things yeah. where, oops, okay, we didn't have that right. Or, oh, okay, I see. <laughs> I, now I see where, okay, that's the problem. Or I got to change this perspective. So I can't hold For a dogmatic sure. view. You know, you know what I think he's going to say to you, though, Jason? He's going to say, I love that hat. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, why aren't you making it more colors? <laughs> Speaking of love, talking cosmic about- peach is in the house. I had Faith Sheet Shop and she's here. Fellow Ginger, I'm one here. of the best podcasters in the game. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, everybody. How are you? Right. How are you doing? Good. Is well, Catalyst joining here. us? <laughs> I hope so, but he hasn't shown up yet, but we'll give him time. All right, that's okay. So we were talking about That's flat Earth. All right, of course and, uh, we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dan Duvall uh, talked about how he thinks that it's instead of flat, he thinks it's a torus. And I'm going to be brutally honest; I have no idea what he's talking about. Have any of you heard a toroidal this? shape? Toroidal. It's like a donut. Yeah. Like a, yeah, it's like a donut. It's so there's a hole in the middle where the energy comes out and then goes in and then it comes back out and then it's like constantly recycling itself. But um, essentially there's some flat earth models where there's a hole in the center and there's like a big whirlpool thing with spinning water and like all the energy goes in. It's kind of like what Jules Verne based um like journey to the center of the earth off of and uh 20 leagues under the sea or something like that, that there's like, if you keep sailing, you'll reach this vortex where the energy is recycling itself, which is interesting. But um I think we're in a snow globe and we're on a flat plane with a firmament and, that's my and God's opinion. throne is above the firmament, you know? I, I think it's like the an most ice cream high. cone. Yeah. I think it's an ice, an ice cream cone. Cream it's not cone? a flat disc. It's the dome with the earth, and then there's crust and things that go like down a little, to a Like a little Like piece. a little thing like this. That's yeah. where, yeah. So that's but why that's we can like, dig down um, so far. Like yeah. shale and, and Hades would be like the little yeah. piece the bottomless at the bottom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yes. And I think there's water above the firmament. Got you know. Uh, yes, uh, David, I. I think David the talks same. in the Psalms. Psalms one forty says that that praise ye the water that be above the heavens. So there's water above the firmament. Mm-hmm. God also in in Revelation he talks about you're hearing thunderous sounds and you're hearing sounds of water in heaven. Now you get a bird's eye view in Revelation four. You know it talks about a crystalline. Uh, you know, crystalline and, and there's a rainbow. You need water for rainbow, right? So in heaven, there's going to be water. Um, and, and also it talks in Ezekiel 126 that God's throne is above the firmament. And also where, you know, when Daniel was fight, you know, Daniel was praying for 21 days. Uh, Gabriel came and told Daniel or, or the angel told Daniel, Hey, I was fighting against the prince of Persia. You know, which remember Jason, we were talking about earlier. I, was, I think fallen angels are above like, you know, these, 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 uh, these, um, principalities are above like America or above, Mm -hmm. you know, Australia, you know, I think it's principalities, Mm -hmm. but I think it's, gets interesting, man, where I think that, you know, above, you know, the moon, sun of the stars are in the firmament. And I believe that's where the, the, the spiritual battles are happening between, uh, angels, fallen angels. And, 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 and that's why it takes a while for them to come and answer our prayers sometimes 21 days for Daniel, for example, because they're fighting to get to us. And we don't even realize it. We sit here and pray like, Father God, how come you can't answer my prayer? And there's angels that are fighting against other angels just to try to get to you, fighting against Satan. Mm -hmm. You have to call on Mm -hmm. Michael. Can you please come and fight for me? It's in the book of Daniel and it's real. So I think that I th- yeah. that's where I believe that the spiritual battles are happening is where the moon, sun, and the stars are located. And uh, we here on earth, and, and it also says in Genesis that the moon, the sun, and the stars are for light for the earth. You know what I mean? They're, mm-hmm. they're, it's just for the earth. They're not lights for other planets and other galaxies. It says it's to light up the earth for the night. And then the moon is, you know, a great light, greater light for the night. And then the, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, a lesser light for the night. And then, you know, the sun is a, is a, is a, a greater light for the day. It's all made for us. All that stuff we see in the cosmos is made for us, not made for aliens, not made for other galaxies that are, you know, and, and, and stars are not, you know, six trillion light years away and all this stuff, you know, and, and six trillion miles. I mean, they're, they're, they're local. I'm More glad Julia came on and explained what, I'm so glad Julia explained what toroidal earth was because I, I had no idea what it was either. About, I thought Christopher was talking about some kind of new Pokemon. <laughs> sounds like some new age. Sounds like some new age idea. Sounds like some new age idea from flat earth or something. Something that Josh had said to me before that has stuck with me is um in the creation story he created the heavens and the earth and then he created the sun and then he created the, the moon, moon sun and the stars and, yeah and the stars also so what was the earth rotating around if the sun was made first on the fourth day no the sun was made on the fourth day the earth was it says that the heavens and the earth were were made on the um well the earth was made on the first day, it says, but right, the earth that's is what just I'm land. They always, yeah. they always so try what it to is, put is the, the sun, sun first, like yeah, sun yeah. worshipers. They always yeah, try yeah, to yeah. say that we rotate around the sun, the sun, the sun, the sun, yeah. the Saturn worshipers. And it wasn't the made till the fourth day. It wasn't made right, till the fourth day. So the, fourth day. the continents came on the third day. The, the firmament came on the second day. It says that God created the heavens and the earth. Earth just means land in the Bible. If you look at the Hebrew, the land 
land is the foundations of the earth. Cause it even says angels even, they, they said they were clapping and they were praising God when, when he created, when he laid the foundations, right? So it, and, and Shemaim is the heavens. The heavens means, and that, that's not the firmament yet. Cause God did call the firmament heaven. It says it in, uh, Genesis 1 6. So we got to understand that the earth was made first. Everything is created for us, for the earth. Right. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not opposite. It's not all, it's not. Not opposite where the sun was, you know, came 4.6 billion years ago. Then the earth 4.5 billion years ago. The stars came 13 billion years ago. Think about it, guys. Okay. The sun was made, the sun, the moon, and the stars were made on the fourth day. So what was the Mm -hmm. earth rotating around on the third day or the second day? Mm And it also says he created the firmament. He separated the waters from the waters. The waters from the waters. So there's waters above the firmament. Now people understand mm-hmm. that the firmament is is uh, is solid. Rakia means solid. That's what it means. A solid dome. Okay. Um. Or or if you think about it in stereoma in Greek, it also means solid. So it, it gets really interesting. I don't want to get crazy on the flat Earth thing. I'd rather people <laughs> the conversations we're having. Sorry. I will blast off on this, bro. So let's let's. I've got a topic then. I've got a topic to throw at you all, and I'm only going to bring this up now because we've finally got a majority of redheads here. It's myself, Chris, and there's Julia. We have we have a majority now. So, what is up with the redheaded gene? Is that a bloodline? Is that something that's unique? What do you think, Uh, Christopher? And I we had a conversation via a post to put on Twitter, I believe, um, Instagram rather, about Mm -hmm. how. All these characters in modern culture are being replaced. They're all the ginger characters are being replaced. Even historical mm-hmm. figures in um, what you would consider documentaries, air quotes, are being replaced. They're no longer redheads. Why do you think that's happening? Is that just a societal change? Is it a cultural shift? What's going on? Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's just that's another a good question. I just think it's just another another gene, you know. And 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 I, I don't I don't look at it any different. It's actually a mutant gene. Um, Watch your it's mouth. like a. <laughs> <laughs> I can say it because I'm one My of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it's a mutant gene, and it's Drew. Isn't aren't we like one percent of the population or something like that? Something ridiculously like 2%, small. Percent. Yeah, two percent of the population, and I I don't know why they're replacing them. I actually think that. Um, the redhead gene is kind of nefarious in its origins with the red-haired giants and the red-headed elongated skulls they keep finding um, in Peru and other places in the world. And if you look back in history, they're usually regarded as some type of fantastical creatures with uh, supernatural powers, which we would uh, as a Christian say that they were Nephilim. Um, so I don't know why they're trying to replace it. I have talked to Gary Wayne a little bit about it and it's just the red hair is kind of a after effect of some of the, the inner breeding, but so is blonde hair and blue eyes. So we see a lot of blonde hair, blue eyed people walking around as well. And that's also part of the commingling. Yeah, Laura Chris, Singer what talks, about you? Yeah, Laura Singer talks a lot about um red hair and Esau being having red hair and and those that followed his line. It's, her book is fantastic. But it had me thinking because so my last name is spelled D E A N. 
But I was talking to my dad a while back and he said, oh, yeah, somewhere along the line, you know, they changed it from D-E-E-N to D-E-A-N. And then we coincidentally found that there is still a Temple of Dean in Ireland, D-E-E-N. And me being six foot eight and having red hair and um, Mm -hmm. not always living for the Lord. So my character at times has been flawed. I was like, huh, that's a little bit scary. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. there might be something else here well Christopher uh, the, the E and the A is only a, a new addition to the English spelling it used to be a split it would have been a split spelling back in the day so instead of the D and the A being where they were it would have been D-A-N-E Dane originally mm. okay interesting so Dane tribe of Dan word oh. made a little bit of word sounds like looks like is like going on there mm. nah see that's fascinating yeah. my you know last the tribe name might was where they had the um, was, was where the the idol worship really came in to to the nation of Israel, and Dan got ejected yep. from the whole yep. from the whole nation because of that. I've heard it said. Yep. I don't know mm-hmm. how, how how true this is, but that Dan helped helped to settle where the Danish people were at, mm-hmm. and the Dutch, and how even where they traveled. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. My last name, well, my maiden last name is Hamilton. And when I did like the ancestry DNA thing or whatever, it was like Ireland and um, like uh, I could probably pull it up, but it was all those things. So Catalyst Jones is trying to get on right now. So I I sent him the uh, invitation. I just want to make sure he received that. He might be hopping on too. just letting you guys know. Awesome. So, yeah, it's like it's and like you said, how they kind of cast out and they created that those types of geographical areas. If you look at the the mainstream historical understanding, it was the proto-Europeans or the Aryans that kind of dispersed and just they left wherever they originally came from. They spread out across Western Europe and, and onto the steps into Eastern Europe, and they established all of these cultures that we know of today. And ironically, a lot of those people were blonde, blue-eyed, mm-hmm. or redheads as well. So was this the tribe of Dan that was expelled and they were forced to flee into those areas? It's mm. a distinct possibility if we're looking at it through that lens. And think right. about that. And and look, think about this, guys. The people that are in Israel right now, you know, are there, is that just one tribe, half a tribe? Is that the real tribe? You know, I mean, think about this. Joseph Man, in the Bible. Get us uh, we, we can't talk about hold it. On, <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I'm not trying to get anybody canceled. I think they are probably... <laughs> Maybe one tribe, but you guys are just talking about these different tribes. I mean, Joseph was able to go to Egypt and be accepted as Egyptian. Moses was able to uh, go to uh, Egypt and be accepted as Egyptian. Uh, we got to think about that, Sarah. man. Uh, think about this. They're, they're of darker color, darker skin. But, I mean, all these different tribes split up. You know what I mean? So we got to understand that, you know, they probably look more like maybe Jason, uh, you know, the, the tribes mm-hmm. of, of Israel, you know, not like Josh right here. You know what I'm saying? They all not have like, heads like that. Not like brown hair, brown eyes. I've always said that. It gets really interesting. If you guys really, really study, you find out that it's, it's, and it, and if, and if everybody knew that, Jason, think about this, bro, about all the people that, that are growing up right now in the, in, in inner city right now that, that just think it's hopeless. They're, they're children of God, bro, and they have no idea. Mm. So that, Mm. that's a big conspiracy you guys should break into if you guys are listening. 
I'm not trying to get on this this rant right now because it'll it'll be just be a long <laughs> podcast. But I'm just telling you guys, I'm not saying that all of them are, are Jason's color, and I'm not saying that I'm saying that you know there is different tribes, but there's 12 tribes. There's not just one or a half a tribe. Whoever is over there right now, uh, let's 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 try to study that a little bit, guys, and find out what's up. You know, well, I was going to make it when Christopher was talking about uh, the redheads, and I was like, you know, it's it's okay, Christopher, because at least you're amongst one of the original Hebrew. But then I was going to let it go. I said, nah, nah. I don't go through all that. That's funny. Yeah. Hey, my husband Catalyst? has brought that up before, too, about that. And there is there not a scripture that says that Jesus's hair was like wool? Yeah. Um, there is, but that's what he's that in heaven, though. When he's in heaven in Revelation, it says that his hair is like wool and his eyes. But that's after he's in his heavenly body. You know what I mean? He's in heaven. So it's a little different. When he's actually here on earth. We don't, we don't have a description of Jesus. You know, we don't, we don't know. I mean, uh, you know, he, he seems like he'd be a regular Joe though. You know what I mean? Just a regular, he's not trying to be mm. some handsome, beautiful, beautiful eyes. No, he's trying to be a construction right. worker. He's just trying to be a servant and that's what he's trying to be. <laughs> he ain't trying to be this beautiful looking person. That's, but I mean, obviously he spoke and he's, he's amazing speed, you know, everything he's, he's, he is God on this earth. You know, I'm not saying, yeah. I'm not saying he's not handsome or anything like that. I'm just trying to say, I think he tried to be as, as, as down to earth as, as he possibly could. He could have came thing. like Solomon. Right and been the richest, wisest, and 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 he could have been standing at the highest mountaintop with everybody worshiping him. But no, he came as a as, as just a right. He probably came humble. as the most mundane person there is possible, as humble yeah. as you could be, serving so much that even he's washing feet and 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 you know he just a beautiful, beautiful. Uh, we're so blessed to have this blueprint of how to live and how to be. You know, mm-hmm. and, and correcting these religions. Thing. This is the interesting thing. Like we don't have a, a defined description of what Jesus may have looked like. We've got the the Borgia's version of what they want. Oh Jesus yeah, to yeah, look yeah, like. yeah, yeah, yeah. But of all course. the a lot of other prophets in history or warlords or generals, they're depicted as people having red hair. Genghis Khan was a pale skinned redheaded guy, and to think yeah. a Mongolian of all people was like that. And then yeah. you look at the likes of Muhammad, who supposedly was a redhead in depictions that are allowed and not turn thorn down and set alight. There's a lot of other people in history who are significant, who are described as that. So that makes me think, are they the wrong side that is trying to be flushed out of history or is there something going on there? Some people believe that that's the Nephilim bloodline and, and that's, that's the, uh, so well, I don't have the height. I'm short. I'm like five yeah. foot nine. So <laughs> some people believe that, though. I've heard. I've heard some people say that. And the sun is not my friend, so I'm failing to see the benefits of such bloodlines, <laughs> bro. Oh, what I told you. What I told you earlier, else. though, bro. You I'm have sorry. you have red hair and green eyes, though, right? You're definitely <laughs> Nephilim bloodlines. <laughs> <laughs> I've had somebody say that I was a Nephilim at a bar one time. Oh wow. Well, yeah, at least really? an interesting conversation. I'm like a fun size of one. <laughs> snack. <laughs> snack pack. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, the fact that they're rewriting all of the red-haired characters is, I think, is clearly intentional. I mean, because we know they don't do anything by accident. But like we were talking about uh, online, Drew, I don't exactly know why, other than to to erase it. I mean, clearly. Um, but what the, the end goal of that is is a little bit elusive to me. Well, you know, it's it's kind of funny because there's definitely agenda, an agenda there, and it seems like they they want to make uh, the white male 
the most hated person right now. And uh, I, I just feel like we're going through this type of a transition right now where they want everyone to look at the white male as the Antichrist. Mm. I think mm. it'll be a female, actually, in my opinion. You do? I'm such a- curious about this because mm-hmm. everybody's talking about Antichrist lately. And, uh, you know, Elon Musk gets brought up. Uh, Donald Trump gets brought up. I don't think that we have a character that's in the spotlight right now that is going to be the Antichrist. What do you guys think? I don't either, but I think it'll be a female because it's been so fixated on that it will be a male. And we well, see this you- weird, t- this tide turning into this like transgenderism movement. And if Which anything, it could, be, worship, a tra- you know? it could be a transgender female that will be the Antichrist. What do you guys feel about people female. saying that it's AI? Uh, the AI is the Antichrist because it's something that we can't live without. It's something that we all embrace, right? It, it kind of all has the attributes of Antichrist. Oh, I think it's well, there's possible. a scripture. There's a scripture though um, in Revelation where it says the Antichrist will die and then resurrect himself, and people will believe that he is the well, Messiah. He or kinda. she is the Messiah. So he gets a he gets a head a mortal head wound right and and yeah. what happens is it, it says like it says the the um the man of sin and then it says the son of perdition so there's two separate so what I believe happens is I think when he gets that mortal head wound I believe that Satan it you know goes dwells in him and 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 takes him over his body so I do believe that and I think it's going to be a he but who knows but here's the thing it's it's like it's two separate things it's like the man of sin and then it's the son of perdition now if you look at um the 12 disciples dang I'm tripping I'm I'm losing my train of thought it's getting too late um if you look <laughs> on, at um on that note Judas I, okay I think Judas ta- I think we're tapping into so much good stuff here and it is yeah. getting late for you guys I know you guys jumped on super late so I'm very appreciative of it. <laughs> let's car park this and let's make yeah. this happen again. Yeah, yeah, we need to. But let's do Judas, this another time. I'll, I'll finish my thought. So Judas is the only person in the Bible that ever was taken over by Satan, like indwelled. Satan indwelled in him, you know, and he was called the son of perdition. Now the Antichrist also gets called the son of perdition. So what I believe is uh, that there's going to be three and a half years of peace. Right. And then there's three and a half years is the last last the, the tribulation. Right. So what I believe is he's the man of sin in the beginning. And he's peaceful, and then he gets that mortal head wound, and I believe Satan dwells into his body. Or he can actually technically be the seed of Satan, because in Genesis 3.15, it says that he's going to be, you know, thy seed is going to bruise thy heel. Uh, God says that that your seed is going to be bruised. And if you talk about fallen angels having sex with humans, they have seeds, and Satan has a seed. So it could literally be Satan having sex with a woman, a fallen angel having sex with the woman, and and having his actual seed, literal seed. And it could be the final Nephilim. This is all coming from a, a book of uh, Ryan Peterson is an amazing book, an amazing author. But think about it, dude. It could be his literal seed. But I believe that Satan actually uh, possesses his body and that's how it comes back. Or it could be a clone, anything like Who knows, man? We don't know, but it gets interesting. Ew. But yeah. Uh, okay, listeners, that's your homework between now and the next show. I want you all to go out there, research the possibility of an Antichrist. How do you think it's going to come back and in what form? All right, let's go around. Catalyst, we have to start with you, my friend. Sorry we couldn't get around to too much of you today. <laughs> Guys, I'm really sorry for being late. My dog ate some 
bad stuff. And I've been at the uh, hospital with her all day and uh, she is laying in my bed. Thank God she is going to be okay. So anyways, Mm. uh, it is awesome to be on here with you guys. I'm sorry. I only caught the last 10 minutes, but uh, you can find my podcast uh, everywhere except for YouTube and Spotify because I've been kicked off of those places. Okay. Next to line, Julia. Hi, I'm Julia, and I have the Cosmic Peach podcast. I'm on Apple, Spotify, wherever. And um, Drew's been on my show several times, and he crushes it without fail. And I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Drew. No problem at all. All right, Operation Red Pill. Gentlemen, who wants to take it away? Uh, Yeah, thanks for having us, Drew. Um, Anybody can find us at ORP Podcast, so Spotify, ORP Podcast, Apple Podcast, ORP Podcast, ORPpodcast.com. And uh, yeah, it was a pleasure being here. This was great. Thank you. Josh. And uh, my show is Josh Monday Christian and Conspiracy Podcast, and uh, my YouTube is Josh Monday Music and Podcast. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all the pod- all the podcast distributors. Um, we have roundtables similar to this, you know, we have like, you know, the book of Daniel, we have revelation. We have, we just had Robert Breaker on last night. He's an amazing, uh, amazing theologian. And, uh, you know, I'll be releasing that soon, but thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. And Drew is also on my show and I've been on his show and he does, he's Mount Crushmore for sure. Uh, Julia is awesome. Catalyst Jones is awesome. Nice to meet you, Operation Red Pill. But make sure you guys share this podcast to as many people as you can. I believe I'm going to post it on my channel as well. And, uh, you know, just send me the video if you can and, and the audio. And then, uh, yeah, and, and I love Catalyst Jones, dude. He's awesome. And I love, I love Julia too. And, uh, and I love Drew also. He's an amazing person. And, 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 and I, I like pray for the podcast real quick before we leave, if that's all right. Pray for the whole Yay. panel. Is that, is that cool? Yeah. Let's do that. Go so, for Father it. God, in the name of Jesus, you are the reason why we're even here right now. This is a Christian coalition, but it's a conspiracy coalition. We're here to expose evil, Lord. We appreciate everything you do for us, each and every individual on this podcast right now, and each and individual that is listening to this podcast right now. We ask that you break any chains they have, or if they're right now their faith is lacking a little bit, we need you to just shake them up and, and wake them up and let them know that you are the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings the most awesome and amazing. We, we got to touch on the Antichrist and all these little things, these Nephilim and all these little things you could flick off like bugs, Lord, because you are the, the most mighty and awesome. And we appreciate you. Anybody that's listening, like I said, if they have a tobacco, if they have drinking, uh, smoking weed, doing meth, uh, any type of thing, please, Lord, we'd ask you break those chains. Any demons that try to latch onto this podcast right now and trying to fight what we're saying right now, Flick them off like bugs, Lord. We love you so much, and we appreciate everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, amen. Amen. Right. amen. And you. I've been your host for today, Drew Misson from Your Missing the Point podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. This was amazing. What a stellar panel, and we need to do this again soon. See you, everybody. See you. See you.